You are listening to the Sunnybrook Unscripted podcast, where we talk real life, answer questions, and take a deeper practical look at the topics we talk about on a Sunday morning. To learn more about Sunnybrook Church, including our Sunday gathering times and opportunities throughout the week, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. Today, we are talking with Pastor Jeff Mose. Well, welcome or... Welcome back. I know you wanted to be a part of that. To the Sunnybrook Unscripted Podcast, I am Lydia Miller, here with my dad, Pastor Jeff. Hello, Pastor Jeff. Good to see you. Good to see you. feel like I see you every day. (laughs) It's been a while. Uh, We have been in a series in the last few weeks where we've been answering some typical questions of church. We've been looking at how we do church here at Sunnybrook, what Scripture has to say about how we're called to do church, um, and hopefully answering some questions that you've had for a while, or maybe questions you didn't even know that you had that we're hopefully going to get to. I can't help but notice, though, as you sit here, your Michigan mug with your name on it. Well, since since we are seven or eight, no, I thought maybe I'd bring it out. Do you want to talk about Uh, what's currently happening? The controversy? No. No, Thank you. No. Okay. Hopefully won't taint our national championship. No, I think you guys got it. Uh, But today we're talking about something that is maybe on the surface going to sound a little bit boring, but I think it's going to be really interesting. We're going to talk today about church elders, not old people in the church, but church elders. Um, And I want to start a little bit because maybe you've heard the phrase elders before. Maybe you know elders and deacons, or you're kind of familiar that there's some sort of way a church runs, but you're not exactly sure how. Let's start kind of at the very basics. I remember going over this in a seminary class. They kind of went over the different forms of church government, and I realized kind of in that moment, oh, we do have a form of church government, and there are different forms. I'm just so used to this one. So you walk us through kind of how maybe different denominations or different uh, forms of churches run, and then specifically how we kind of run here at Sunnybrook. Yeah, and again, all of it from our perspective comes from Scripture. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, Titus chapter 1, would give us this idea that there are two offices in the church, the office of elder and the office of deacon. And again, we can talk through each of those specifically. But mainly this deals with more of what we'd call a Presbyterian form of government. So if there's three forms of government, one would be an Episcopal form of government. Usually they don't have elders and deacons. Usually it's sort of this top-down Episcopal Forms of government can be a Catholic church, an Episcopal church. Usually kind of higher liturgical churches will have more of a top-down government. In other words, sort of a pope or a bishop kind of makes all of the decisions within the church, and really church people are not that involved. The opposite form would be what we call a congregational form of government, which would be bottom-up, so to speak. It would be this idea of everybody in the congregation votes on everything, which sometimes can be real problematic. If you're changing the wallpaper in the <laughs> women's bathroom, everybody votes on the color. Those guys. So it can be a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. We think a Presbyterian form of government is biblical and solid. Uh, you're going to see it in Acts chapter 15 in the Council of Jerusalem. You see it as we talked about in First Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1. But it becomes sort of a representative form of government. Much like the United States of America, we don't have a complete democracy of a republic where you elect people who represent you. It's the very same thing with regards to elders and deacons in the church. They're elected by the church themselves to represent them as decisions are made with regards to vision and direction and uh, church things that, that are happening. So, so really it's a representative form of government. Mm-hmm. Which I think is really important because it never gives really anyone on staff, especially senior pastor, you don't have really all that much power. I mean, every decision that's made, if you think he's super powerful, he's actually not that powerful. You have to bring that before the board of elders, and they're the ones who sort of answer for 
Correct. We laugh at that, but it really is a very good thing. It's, mm -hmm. it's good checks and balance. So we always have a plurality of elders. There's more than one. I certainly am one of those elders, but in all honesty, I don't have a vote unless there is a tie. Uh, and we've only had that happen one time in the 21 years that I've been here. And I said, listen, I'm not voting. We're going <laughs> to... We're going to pray about this until we I know we how to sit to on a fence. Yeah, I, I, obviously it, it looks kind of funny if the mm -hmm. senior pastor... But So we have a plurality of elders. Mm -hmm. It's a Presbyterian form of government. And again, it's, I think it's good and solid, good checks and balances, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And you kind of mentioned this, but obviously the idea of an elder is not a new idea. This is something we see throughout Scripture, and it kind of clearly defines what specifically an elder is. Yes, and again, you'll see it all throughout the early church, uh, beginning in the church in Jerusalem and literally every church thereafter, the church at Lydia's house, the church at Galatia, the church in Corinth. All of them would raise up elders, godly people within the church that would serve in positions of leadership. And again, those qualifications really are spelled out well. In First Timothy chapter 3, uh, we go over this every year. Uh, with the elders in the church. Titus chapter 1 kind of repeats the same characteristics, but what we would call kind of these five spheres of, well, Scripture says he's to be above reproach, she's to be above reproach in these different areas, and we just usually walk through them. Now, anytime I read that portion of Scripture, I think to myself, man, I don't know who would want to necessarily sign up for this because it's pretty extreme. It's pretty serious when scripture talks about what elders are called to. So we walk us through those spheres or those areas that scripture looks at for them. Yeah. Uh, again, it is serious. In fact, we're looking for godly people, people that are in the word, people that are in a close, uh, vital relationship with the Lord, people that don't have a lot of sin and struggle and baggage currently in their lives. Doesn't mean uh, that they're perfect. Doesn't mean that they're without sin. It just means you know, most of these areas in their life, they have to the best of their ability through the power of the Spirit of God, these areas under control. Mm -hmm. In fact, the word above reproach, so he's going to give us five spheres, if you will, and he's going to say, listen, I, I want elders to be above reproach. And the word above reproach doesn't mean perfect because mm -hmm. I'd be disqualified, we'd all be disqualified. But the word actually refers to the hem in somebody's garment or pleats in somebody's garment because it, it's kind of a battle term. So the idea was this is when you go into battle, you kind of shore up all of your clothing. You tuck it in. You don't want to have pleats in your garment because the enemy would grab a hold of them and pull you down. So the idea is to not have sort of pleats in your life that somebody could grab hold of and pull you down. So saying, listen, I want you to be above reproach. And then they give those five areas. One would be this idea that we're to be respectable, we're to be um, you know, temperate, self-controlled, and then it's going to just kind of net out the areas of sexuality, the areas of money, chasing, just that our appetites, first of all, are under control. The second area would be this idea of concern for others. So it's going to say that an elder should be apt to teach, and we often say that to our elders. Listen, you don't have to be a preacher but somehow, even in one-on-one, -on -one, you've got to be a communicator, sort of a transmitter of the gospel to the next generation. So apt to teach. And then uh, also says that elders are to be hospitable. So that kind of falls under that same area of concern for others mm -hmm. that, you know, in, in the day and age when it was written, you know, people would travel and there weren't hotels. Mm -hmm. So elders were ones who would open up their their homes to maybe traveling preachers and those kinds of things. So they needed to be hospitable. It's going to talk about domestic discipline. 
Remember when the scripture says in 1 Timothy 3, again in Titus chapter 1, uh, that our children would be under control, saying, in effect, listen, if you can't control your own household, mm-hmm. how can you control the household of God? So, uh, you know, the fact that your kids are uh, under uh, control and discipline. Uh, then I would talk about this whole area of, of spiritual maturity. So I would say, in effect, not to be a novice. And it's kind of, again, a fascinating term. It means to be not newly planted so mm-hmm. that when rain or harsh winds would come, something that was newly planted could easily fall over. So he's not saying, and he used that at the beginning, it's not saying an elder has to be old, mm-hmm. but it has to be a little bit seasoned in the Christian life, not be a recent convert, or else scripture said they might become puffed up and, mm-hmm. and sort of given over to pride. So he's saying, listen, they've got to be deeply rooted in the faith, and usually that just takes time and years for people to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then kind of that last area is that outside reputation. So mm-hmm. saying, listen, with regards to the people of the world, they can't be seen as somebody that on church puts on one sort of an air, and when they're in the business world and uh, outside of the church, they put on a different air. Saying, listen, they have to be above reproach with regards to outsiders, so that outsiders, you know, look at them and say, no, I understand why they're a leader in the church. This is a godly uh, person, and and we want to follow after them. So then, give us kind of because obviously that's the qualifications to become one, but then give us the job description of elders, either in scripture or then even how that plays out here at Sunnybrook as well. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating to me, and I say this to the elders every time we talk through this portion of scripture, there is more said about the character of an elder hmm. than the job of an elder. If you look in scripture, it's always going to be this idea of this is what they're to be like, which just reminds me it's more about being than it is about doing. Mm-hmm. But here's what's spelled out in Scripture with regards to what elders are to do. First of all, it says, listen, they're to sort of guard the teaching and the preaching of the Word. So it's one of the primary responsibilities of an elder. It's one of the reasons that, you know, I'll do a, a year's worth of sermon prep and those kinds of things. I present it to the elders. I, I actually get ideas from the elder, then feedback from the elder saying, listen, is, is this in alignment to what you see? So they, they guard the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. The second thing they do is they guard from false doctrine. So when the word is preached, whether that be in the uh, auditorium or whether that be in the children's ministry or youth ministry, the responsibility of the elders is to guard from false teaching. So Mm -hmm. somehow that somebody would say something that was against the word of God, it's their responsibility. And then really this idea of there to pray for and visit and those kinds of things, they don't do as much visitation because we have a a good ministry in that area, but they often pray for people, mm-hmm. lay hands. Remember James talks about, hey, if mm-hmm. any of you are sick, call on the elders to pray. That's part of their responsibility is prayer. Uh, they're certainly to teach sound doctrine again, you know, not only to guard from false doctrine, but to teach sound doctrine. And then kind of that last area, and you see it in Acts chapter 15 with the Council of Jerusalem. Every now and then an elder is to sit and to make decisions with regards to other churches and maybe where the Church of Jesus Christ is headed in general. Mm-hmm. Um, those are just sort of the five areas that elders work in. Yep. All right, so give us the X's and O's a little bit of the Board of Elders at Sunnybrook. How many are there? How long do they serve? How do I become one if I'm listening and I'm thinking maybe that's something I'm interested in Yeah, being a part good of. questions. With regards specific to Sunnybrook, uh, again, we have six elders. We've just found that that works out well. Uh, we meet twice a month. So uh, the second uh, Thursday of the month, we meet for nothing but prayer and study of the Word. In fact, we make sure we don't do any business during that time. So once a month, no, we're studying the Word together. We're praying for the congregation, lifting different issues before the Lord. 
Uh, so that's what we do on that. The second time we meet, we do do business then and, and, and kind of deal with the different issues of the church. Mm -hmm. um, there's six elders. We've kept it small. When I first arrived, there were 72, <laughs> uh, which is hard to believe when we had a, what we call pastoral care elders, but it was just about impossible to get any decisions mm -hmm. yeah. made. So now we have six of them. Again, I show up with a tiebreaker uh, if there's ever a tie, but then the whole idea is you know, they would sort of represent the church and they would make decisions when they come, they've prayed through the issues, they've studied scripture, and then they make a vote with regards to those things. As far as how they're placed into the position, mm -hmm. it always comes as nominations from the congregation, so you probably just saw that. Uh, usually it's put up in social media and other places, hey, listen, if you know people that would fit the qualifications of 1 Timothy chapter 3 or Titus chapter 1, and you want to submit names of godly leaders in the church, please do. Uh, they come before a committee. Usually that's former elders. We think the best people to choose leaders are leaders themselves. So former elders will gather together. They'll go through the list. Then it becomes a rather stringent process. You actually fill out a form. This is my testimony of how I came to Christ. This is my different view on theological positions, making sure that they're in alignment with Sunnybrook Church. And then we always ask, where specifically have you been involved in ministry? Because we don't want somebody that's never been involved in ministry or understand the ministry of the church. We, we think it's kind of a culmination of, uh, of sort of serving in different areas of the church. And then we always ask people, do you have the leadership gift? Because according to you know, the book of Romans, uh, there's this sense in which if you have the gift of leadership, then lead. Uh, again, one of the most frustrating things would be to have a person who has mercy gifts, and now they've got to make leadership decisions, and it's difficult for them to do so. So we're always asking, uh, do you have leadership gifts? And then they actually go through an interview process. They will sit uh, with some of the former elders, and they will go through a pretty stringent interview process. And then you know, it's narrowed down to one or two candidates, whatever is needed, uh, because an elder serves for three years, they can up for a second term if both the elder board and the elder himself agrees. They can serve a second term, but usually then they're off and off for two years before they can come back on again. And so then it comes before the congregation, usually at the annual congregational meeting. And it's never, because we just don't ever want it to be this, it's never pitting one person against another. Here's, you know, Betty and Bob and who would you, who do you like better? We, we just say, hey, listen, we're asking you to affirm because the elders have prayed about this. They've gone through the interview process and all of those kinds of things. And now we're asking you as a congregation, would you affirm the work of the elders and leaders mm -hmm. and what they've done to raise up this new leader mm -hmm. here? And then you affirm them by your vote from the congregation. Mm -hmm. And having been at this church, obviously, a while working here, but then attending here, we have seen some really incredible leaders and elders. And so just as a general thank you to them, um, they do such an incredible job. They, it is not a paid position. It is no. solely volunteer. They come before they go to work in the morning, often at 6 a.m. to get the business things done. And they're handling some really, really big um, transforming things for the church. And truly the reason I believe Sunnybrook is where it is, is a lot because of the work that those elders have done. I agree. If uh, the, the saying used to be, if the, the hope of the world is the church of Jesus Christ, then that responsibility rests solely on the shoulders of good leaders. Mm -hmm. And all throughout the time I've been here, we've had good godly leaders. And that's why Sunnybrook is making the kind of impact mm -hmm. that it is. Yep. So thank you, elders, for all that you do. We will be with you next week. We're going to continue on this subject of the church. We hope you'll join us. Mm -hmm.
If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org or download the Sunnybrook Church app. And again, thanks for listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast.